Hi there guys and welcome to today's live stream. We're gonna be talking about back pain and sciatica. When should you exercise? If your back still hurts or you've still got that sciatic pain down your leg, when is the right time to start exercising again? We're gonna sort of go through that in a good bit of detail and give you guys some tips and tricks towards the end of the live stream. As always, we're gonna go into Q&A at the end of the live stream. And if you're new to the channel, please do consider subscribing. Make sure you hit that notification bell. We go live every single weekday and we always do Q&A so we can help you guys with your back pain, with your neck pain, with sciatica, slip discs, whatever it may be, we can help you on those Q and A's. So with that being said, let's get into today's live stream. Okay, so we're gonna be going through a few topics uh, today. Uh, I wanted to really run through this and give you guys a good bit of detail. It kind of follows on from yesterday's live stream uh, to a certain degree. We wanna talk about when should you be exercising? When should you start? When should you, what, what should you be doing? What should you be avoiding? Uh, what type of exercises should you be doing as well? Um, how you can evaluate, and this is the really important part, how can you evaluate your progress, whether it's the right time, whether it's the wrong time, whether it's too soon, et cetera, so we can really effectively uh, rehab that back or get rid of that sciatica properly. And then obviously the Q&A towards the end of the live stream. So the first thing I wanted to cover in today's live stream was talking a little bit about just the traditional approach because um, it might help you guys better understand how your GP, your doctor, your surgeon, your uh, neurosurgeon, et cetera, approaches these sorts of things. And just so you can take a step back and go, huh, okay, that's, that's interesting. Now, a lot of these guys are gonna start using painkillers or they might use injections to in, in the early days and say, look, take these. And the proviso is that you're taking these things and you're doing the necessary rehab. Those are taking the edge off the pain, maybe reducing the pain so you can effectively do your rehab. And that's quite important because if you didn't do those, those exercises, you might still be, or you would still be in pain. Taking those painkillers doesn't do anything for the underlying injury. And that's a really, really important thing. So they know full well that if you're going to take painkillers, et cetera, we want you to be doing the rehab because the strengthening work actually really helps safeguard you in the future and make sure that you're healing effectively. So just bear that in mind, have that in the back of your mind that they really do want you to do the necessary rehab. Now, what exact rehab that is recommended along those lines? Well, that's based on the philosophy of the individual practitioner, et cetera. And you guys will know that a lot of our stuff in our Back in Shape membership and the exercises that we recommend run a little bit different to the typical things that you'll be recommended. But we won't get into that too much in today's video, but just bear in mind that what we're talking about here isn't necessarily that much of a disagreement. It's not that much of a novel concept uh, when we really look at what is normally recommended anyway from the point of view of painkillers. Now, the pain is your body telling you there's a problem there and there's something there. So we need to be mindful of that, of course, and completely nulling it is not necessarily the best way forward because we can lead to making things worse, which is something that we do want to bear in mind. But just have that in the back of your mind. Now, first and foremost, the rehab that you do choose is actually really, really important. If we're doing things like knee hugs, as we've mentioned in the past, we're not really strengthening anything. You're not getting any long-term effect. You're not actually making any real improvement. You're just opening out those spaces at the bottom part of the spine down there to just open out the space where the nerves might be being irritated. But the consequences of that invariably is that it makes the underlying issue worse, as we've mentioned in numerous live streams before. So the choice of exercises is really important. And that the same being said is it's, it's absolutely terrible if you get given those painkillers, for example, or those injections, and you go back to running. I've written on the board trampolining just behind me. You know, 
exercises that have high impact should really be avoided when we're, when we're getting into these sorts of things. So if you've got that sciatica or that back pain, don't take up trampolining, don't go for a 10K run, even if the pain's gone away because you've taken some painkillers. That's quite an important principle. The choice of exercises is very clear. And that's really why we created the Back in Shape membership, to take you guys through safe and sensible exercises that you should be doing at home to make sure that you can effectively deal with these problems and build up that strength and stability. But in short answer to that first question of your back, what's sciatica is still there. It's a bit niggly down the leg. Maybe it gets worse with certain things you do on a daily basis. Should you do exercise? Yes. It's very, very infrequent that we'd suggest to someone, in fact, I can't think of any examples where we'd suggest to someone, wait until you have no symptoms before you do rehab. There's lots of reasons why we wouldn't want to do that, but the primary one is invariably a lot of people that have back pain, it tends to be something that builds up over, over a longer period of time. There tends to be a little bit of a history to it. It's very infrequent that we end up seeing and people who've just injured their back for the very first time and have no history at all end up going to YouTube to get those, those problems fixed. Because if you've had a minor strain for the very first time, it normally goes away in a day or so and it's job done. Um, they tend to be a little bit more complicated issues. We might be harboring some degree of degenerative change down the bottom here. We might be harboring some disc injuries, for example, down the bottom here. We might have some arthritis, some spondylosis that's been here for a little while and everything's been kind of holding itself together. But when we do have that unfortunate injury, that fall, that knock, that lift, that gardening episode, for example, everything kind of falls apart. And that's when the cracks start to show the poor core control, the bad movement patterns, the lack of ability to effectively stabilize that lower back. And if you do not address those things, you're just gonna be stuck in this cycle of not actually resolving the back pain, which is why we say, should you exercise? Yes, you need to do the exercises because unless we can start to uh, shore up some of those defenses, so to speak, we're really going to struggle. Now, what do you wanna focus on? We've, we phase it into sort of three phases. We do some basic exercises to start with, which is our phase one. And that's really the one where people say, should I move on? Should I move on to phase two? Should I still have some pain? Yes, because phase one type exercises are not dealing with the underlying problem. They're not strengthening you up at all. But phase two starts to strengthen things up. Now, people will have a little bit of discomfort when you start doing some of these exercises. Uh, and we have general criteria if you can move around, if you can be upright and sort of walk, maybe it's around the house or just around the block for sort of 15 minutes, then you really need to be getting into phase two and arguably maybe a little bit sooner than that in some cases. So pain is not expected to be gone before we get into phase two. But I'll put this to you. One of the phase two exercises involves you lying on your back and you're essentially wiggling your leg. It's a little bit more complicated than that, but you're moving your leg, lying on your back. So we have no gravitational load through here. We have more or less none of our body weight and we're moving one limb a little bit down here. Now, if we can't even do that two times, why are we concerned about doing that exercise and not about standing up? Standing up, you've got all of this weight on the spine. It starts to fail because the mechan it starts to become painful because it starts to fail in supporting that load under gravity. So we've created those back and shape exercises because they are extremely safe. You can do them wrong and that's not good. But when you do them correctly, you'll start to realize that I can't even lying on my back do three or four or five of these reps without starting to get fatigued, losing my technique, etc. So it really, really does 
plug some hole or, or reveal some serious holes in our body's ability to effectively move around, to effectively protect our spine, stop it from moving, for example, to make sure that it's secure and safe. And that really should be a quite a wake-up call to realize just how bad along it's gone. And, and everyone has different... Um, starting points before we were before we went live i was talking to lara about a house um and if we've got sort of a house that it's got a window missing and, and that's our starting point the refurb is not going to take very long but if the house is missing a front garden you know half the front wall is knocked is knocked down it's got all the electrics ripped out we've got a lot more of a job to get done and you don't lose faith when you've put a few bricks back in that wall that's missing and go oh well i've i don't see the improvement you won't necessarily see the improvement if you've got half the house missing. And if lying on your back, you won't necessarily be running around doing all sorts of fun and games after doing three reps of those things. If you're struggling to do three reps, it gives you a scale, a measurement, some objectivity, objective markers of where exactly we are. Where is the condition of your body at this point right now? And that doesn't mean you should stop doing exercises. No more than it means you should stop refurbishing that house that has everything missing. It just gives you a scale of how far do we have to go. And some people are starting and they can only do two or three good reps, but two or three good reps is really important. And then after a week, it might be three or four reps. And a little bit longer, it's five or six reps. And then we start hitting the 10 reps that we recommend. So don't be disheartened if you're starting some of these exercises and you're finding them difficult. We need to be doing the right exercises and they need to be targeted and done correctly, but it's not necessary for there to be no pain uh, before we start these sorts of strengthening based exercises because ultimately again if we can't lie on a back wiggling a leg or just gently lift our bum an inch off the floor without getting some pain we have some serious issues now there are a few other and by serious issues i mean serious errors for improvement i don't want you guys to be unnecessarily concerned by me saying that but it just means there are some serious areas that need improvement in terms of our strengthening our body control and our movement patterns that is really important and the great news is it's something that you, every single one of you watching this, it doesn't matter who you are, whether you've had surgery, whether you've had anything, you do have control over that. It's just that the process might be a little bit longer for some of you guys than others. Now, then you have the other end of the spectrum where we've got people that actually can do quite a lot. They can maybe go for you know a run or they can do other bits and pieces. I was speaking to one of the guys the other day, you'll know who this is, um, or you will know who you are when I'm talking about, talk, talking about rock climbing and able, able to do that sort of thing. But symptoms come on and, and it's really problematic. And for those guys, sometimes actually we really need to explore what are the movement patterns. We discovered actually that, that we're doing a bit of a, a tuck habitually on a, you know, on a daily basis or a bit more regularly than we should do. And that leads to compression through the disc in the lumbar spine. And if that's a movement pattern that we adopt, have adopted through over the years, for whatever reason it may be, then that can be the problem. And therefore, sometimes for those guys, it's a case of just retraining some of these movement patterns and the way in which these muscles work together so they can more effectively work. And that, again, that doesn't mean we have to eliminate pain immediately before we start those exercises. The changing movement patterns, the changing muscular engagement will be help in of itself. And we don't need to eliminate the... Um, the pain before we start those exercises. We just need to be careful with our technique and have a solid understanding of what the problem is and a solid understanding of how to move forwards. So that's an, another very, very important one. Now I want to close up today's live stream before we get into Q&A by just talking through a few objective measures because this is really, really important. And, and a lot in a lot of cases, 
back pain can be just as much a psychological problem as a physical problem. And in that, I mean, it's very, you know, you have emotional ups and downs. The pain sometimes can be seriously, seriously draining, uh, whether it's sciatica going down the leg or whether it's actually just that throbbing back pain that's there all the time. Or maybe it's the unpredictability of you don't know when it's going to go. So you're constantly on edge. So it can really be a psychological one. But one thing that's really important, I wrote it on the board earlier, is those objective markers daily and weekly markers firstly the second one's tests but i'll get to the first one first having a good understanding of how things change now we see patients in the clinic that come in and this may this may be applicable to you watching this right now and they say oh well my pain goes up and down during the day it's, it's worse after these certain things or it kind of just fluctuates during the day randomly but that random pattern is regular and therefore it's a feature of the pain it, it kind of comes and goes during the day not really uh, easy to attribute it to anything particular and then they go and start doing exercises they do some of the exercises and they say oh well you know they make a bit of progress and then maybe something happens um, but they say oh well it kind of it's the same the th things are the same it's, it's still up and down it's still up and down and then they lose a bit of momentum well again going back to what I said earlier if there's a lot of work that needs to be done we're not necessarily going to eliminate everything immediately or in the first week or even even a little bit before that because there are probably a lot of issues that need to be fixed for example the technique on some of these exercises that we mentioned uh, we may be struggling to do some of those effectively maybe we can only do five reps but you get put off because the pain is fluctuating up and down and we say to the we say they come in and they go oh well look my pain's still going up and down you know i don't know if this is helping etc and we say well your pain was fluctuating up and down anyway it's not really changed in any meaningful way based on what you've said. It's still fluctuating up and down. You still don't really have any prediction for it. So it's not really got worse, but you're able to do five reps instead of three, or you're able now to do six reps instead of two. So why'd you stop doing the exercises? There's no need. It's not really changing in any meaningful way. So having this objective understanding of how the pain fluctuates, and this is really important if it does fluctuate, and then superimposing the effectiveness of exercises over the course of a week and saying, is it fluctuating any differently now as it was at the start of the week? And if the answer is no, we crack on. If the answer is yes, then we need to explore that. Maybe we've got technique issues, et cetera. Maybe we've had a busy week. Maybe we've gone back to work for the first time. All of these sorts of things need to be considered. And once we can attribute everything and understand everything and fit all the pieces in place, then we can have the confidence, and it's more of a psychological thing, to carry on. Now, the next thing we do from an objective evaluation point of view is after some of these exercises, for example, the towel, the towel exercise we recommend in phase one, phase two and phase three. That one is one that will give you a little bit of discomfort while you're on there sometimes, uh, especially when you start it and a little bit of discomfort immediately afterwards because it's just putting you back into that good position. And that involves stretching some tissues and opening up and unloading some tissues. And it's just a little bit different. And we see the same thing in the clinic with regards to the decompression, the spinal decompression, the IDD machine, which is awesome. It basically stretches out the spine, takes pressure off the discs. It's really, really good. But immediately after that, even myself included, you feel a little bit vulnerable, a little bit funny for about 10, 15 minutes while you're getting used to that extra bit of movement. You've, your body's just been opened out in a way that it hasn't in a long time. Maybe it's been a week or so. For me, I try and get on there quite regularly. Um, and you notice something's changed. But after about an hour or so, often quite a little bit less, you're back to normal. Everything's fine again. Nothing's, you know, nothing's lasted in terms of any of that negative immediately afterwards. So having that ability to say that after my workout, after my physical endurance, physical exercise, and we discussed yesterday when we're doing some of these exercises, we're creating a bit of muscle, muscle tissue injury in order to respond and adapt. 
That's not a bad thing. But we look at immediately after, after the workout, we're maybe a little bit sore. But then one hour later, everything's generally re returned to normal. The normal ebbs and flows of the problem. Uh, maybe you feel a little bit better. Some people actually do feel a little bit better because they've got that extra support where they suffer with instability. Other people feel, do feel a little bit sore after the exercises. But one hour later, how are we feeling? Are we back to normal? And that's a great sign. It's very, very common that people will be a little bit different immediately afterwards and uh, then back to normal one hour later. So always have that as a good evaluation point. And then the last thing I wanted to discuss with you guys is those tests. Have a look at the tests because back pain is different for every single person and the experience of it. Some, some of you guys watching this will have just a loss of muscle control. Maybe it's uh, now for, uh, for disc injury and we can't quite control some of the muscles down in the legs and it's just, there's no pain there. It's just different. Other, others of you will have a bit of numbness, paresthesia in certain areas and you can't feel certain things. It feels a little bit different there. Others of you will have severe pain and that's different to every single person. And you can get two people with exactly the same textbook injuries, but because it's affecting a different part of the nerve, they get different symptoms. But understanding that we need to test things over a time period. We need to say, right, we, we were doing maybe um, one or two reps of this to start with. It's the end of the week and now we're doing three or four. And then it's the end of the next week and we're doing five or six. Understanding that the process is getting better, that we're able to do more work, more physical demand, maybe with the same symptoms. And then over time, we can do more physical work with less symptoms and so on and so forth. These are all good tests, good evaluation points for you guys to have in your sort of arsenal to help you when the pain gets there. Sometimes we don't think clearly or we get frustrated and irate and just having those objective markers to just take a step back and say, okay, look, where was I two weeks ago? What was I doing? Okay, well, I couldn't even do three reps of this. And now I'm able to do 10. It's a rocky road. As I said earlier with the house example, the house isn't finished. It's not back to normal. We're still vulnerable. Let's carry on. We are making some improvement. And understanding that is really, really important. So that's pretty much it for today's live stream. If you guys have any questions on that and those analogies, then please do let us know in the comments and we'll get into Q&A. Okay, awesome. Good morning, everyone. Okay, Jeannie's uh, off. Good morning. Um, I have just started phase two and it's going okay. Really struggled to bridge and do the marching bridges. It's oh. causing sciatica down the leg. Um, I have a long-term spondylolithesis. Should I just practice bridging first without the marching? Um, I'd say no. Uh, make sure that you've jumped into, if, if you haven't already, jump into the Facebook group because that's really, really important yeah, if you're in phase two. Yeah. Awesome. Uh, so one of the other girls in, in the Facebook group asked about that particular topic with regards to marching bridges. Um, the general advice is the reason we're doing this one, quite often bridges are done to engage the glutes and the hamstrings, etc. But we're not doing that for you guys just yet. Uh, if you're just in phase two, the main thing we're looking at is getting control. And quite often, um, what, what people do, especially if you've got spondylitis, is this is really, really important, is that they kick their bum up way too high. You're trying to kick your bum up too high. And as you kick it up too high, you don't engage everything properly and we extend down here. And I'm going to guess that it's either a 4-5 or a 5-S1. 5-S1 is more common spondylolisthesis. And kicking that into extension is going to aggravate you. So go back to that core engagement exercise, stabilize the spine, none of this moves, none of this wiggles, and just lift that bum off the floor an inch, and then start the marching. And you might find that you twist a little bit like this, and that's, that's not good. It's okay, but it's not good. But don't lift all the way up to here to do it for the time being. Lift that bum an inch off the floor, 
and do your steps as many as you can, trying to keep that spine as still as possible, as steady as possible, and slowly switching from one leg to the other. And once you get better at that, and once you start to find a little bit more improvement there, you'll find that your pelvis starts to level a bit more. You're not wobbling as much, and then you can kick it up a little bit higher. But for you with a spondylolisthesis, this is really important, and the same, I please pay attention to your dead bugs as well, um, that we wanna really make sure we are holding that spine dead neutral literally dead neutral we do not want any of that happening at all quite equally we don't want to be doing that and doing a, a tucking our bum under either we want to maintain neutral and then when we're doing the marching bridges we lift the whole thing up see how nothing moved and then we hold and then we're trying to resist the wobble and then when we're doing dead bugs we're resisting this this tendency for that to happen so do be very careful with those exercises your technique you will not get away with bad technique you must keep the core engagement do them slow, take your time, and just really focus on that technique for, for, for yourself. That's a really important one. These can be very, very effective, but quite often people with spondylolisthesis have lost that control and that stabilization in that area, which is kind of like a double whammy. So when they do these exercises, you really start to notice that you can even lift up off on, on one leg without aggravating the nerves. So what hope does that for stability, what hope does that have for the stability of you upright? So take a step back, about an inch off the bed, off the floor, and work on that range, and then you'll be able to progress on from there. Okay, so keeping the core really tight, and then- um, We have, you could just, when you've got those sorts of issues, you just can't get away with not doing it properly. And do you recommend that, that, that you start on a couple of reps only, maybe like five? You, you do the there? number of good reps that you can do. Okay. Quite often people jump into these exercises and they just crack on with, with, with the dead bugs, for example, uh, and the marching bridges, to be completely honest you could do lots of them badly and you probably get away with this and go, oh, my back hurts, oh, my leg, my sciatica, oh, it's not feeling good. Take a step back, oh, yeah, see what really after. watch those videos, evaluate your technique as you're doing them and slowly improve there. But do your, do if you can only do five good ones, do five good ones, don't do 10 rushed ones. Yeah, okay, brilliant. Um, let Faye, us know how you get on as well. Yes, give, it a, give it a couple of days and let us know how you get on. Um, Faye has asked a question here. She said, uh, I have a question if it's okay to ask here. My son hurt his back when he was six, being jolted on a ride that drops. He still complains about it hurting. For example, sometimes uh, when jumping or going over a bump in the car. The GP said if it doesn't impact his daily life, he will be fine. He is now nine years old. What would you recommend? Thanks. Well, I think it hurts when it goes over a bump in the car. So that kind of sounds like it's impacting his daily life. Um, so uh, it's difficult with with younger younger children. Uh, you know, any of you other guys that have kids, it it is difficult when they're young because of the um, the, the bones aren't fully formed. So you know, do you do an X ray, etc. Um, if it's been going on for three years, I I, I really would want to see something there, especially if it's not getting any better. The other thing as well is he's going to go through growth spurts, etc. He's learning to move effectively. You know, all those sorts of things are very very important at this stage as he's growing. Um, I think. Faye, you've maybe got a bit of a better understanding than, than most with regards to exercise and that sort of stuff. So I'd really make sure his form's good uh, when he's doing any sort of movements. Just kind of pick him up on sitting for too long, his sitting posture. Those sorts of things should really help him over over the long term. And do remember this as well. Young, young children and even teenagers can go through a hell of a lot and be perfectly fine. 
it's just a case of trying to get him a little bit more aware of of of, um, of how he's using his body on a daily basis and maybe not sat down for so long, those sorts of things. Uh, those will aggravate him and will make the problem worse. Just getting him a little bit more active would probably be the best uh, bet. But I would really personally uh, think an Im- some imaging would be useful, if nothing else, to set your mind at ease Yeah. Uh, and his mind at ease. And also when, when, when children start to grow very quickly during the teen years, maybe just keeping an extra yeah, eye on he's, him. Yeah, he's, he's probably a little bit more likely to get a, get a bit of struggle, a bit of trouble if he grows quickly. Yeah. Um, that's one thing that can bother him. But I'd say if he's, if he's active, that would be a good thing for him because his bones will then develop a little bit more strong. He's putting on, he's going to put on his, most of his bone density in sort of the 10 to 13, I think it is, uh, age group. So as long as he's active during those periods, he should really be fine in the medium to long term okay brilliant i've got a comment here from veronica i was in agony for two months the doctors uh, gave me two different lots of painkillers some which i had a dreadful reaction to someone sent me the link to this site and with your help my back pain uh my back is pain free due to the exercises awesome. i actually managed a full day at the allotment yesterday uh by uh by engaging my core that's awesome that's really really good that's um that, that was veronica right yeah, veronica. uh that's really good really good veronica um what i would say is um that's great you're at the allotment don't go too fast please uh make you know what to do with regards to your phase one stuff so when we're doing any of those sorts of uh, we, we just kind of this did i discuss it today too much I don't think I did discuss it too much, but I might have done it on yesterday's live stream. When we do anything new or anything abnormal, say for example, it's going back to work after this period of lockdown, or it's going to the allotment and spending a day there for the first time in a while, uh, do just make sure that you might feel a little bit sore the next day. But even before then, when you get back in, get that phase one exercise done. Let's go through the phase one routine, get a bit of ice on the back, get on the towel, and that just helps undo a little bit of the extra activity uh but that's great hopefully you have many more times and the weather will stay good uh going up the allotment uh but just don't don't do too much because i know how it gets when we enjoy doing these things when we can do them again after a period of not being able to we just uh sometimes we go a little bit overboard so please um uh just do it safely okay great um karen has asked would it be okay to do any exercise that is low impact yoga seems to be a good way uh, of strengthening um, not a big fan of yoga, um, to, to be honest. Not not for a lot of people that are doing these sorts of things because uh, if you look at someone doing yoga properly, maybe the instructor, for example, they've been doing it for years. Um, and I would, I would really classify yoga as almost as a sport, if you will, um, that the teachers are very, very good and they've invariably been doing it for many years. For the average person to jump into it, with not really that much prior knowledge, prior experience, they kind of just jump in and you do yoga flow with someone without having the necessary hip flexibility, shoulder flexibility, uh, core control, stability, proprioception, all of these things are missing. So I would put personally put yoga in the category of exercises you would return to once your back is better. Because fundamentally, things like the downward dog, you need an enormous amount. That's the one where your bum's in the air, isn't it, Lara? Yeah. Yeah. I always forget the the names of these. (laughs) Um, But things like the downward dog. To do that effectively, you need fantastic shoulder mobility. You need really good strength in the shoulders. You need a solid uh, spine alignment through here. We need good strength in the traps. We need good strength all the way down the erector spinae muscles. We need impeccable hip flexibility. And we need good dorsiflexion in in the calves. Those are things that most people with back pain do not have. And therefore, it would take you a good degree of time to really build that up before you go back into something like yoga. Now, 
That's not knocking yoga, but we just need to bear in mind, you wouldn't get into CrossFit. You know, it, it's something that, and, and that's another example. Many of you guys will know about CrossFit. It's basically uh, for very, very, very fit people <laughs> uh, to compete, doing lots of, you know, really difficult activities. And to do those sorts of Olympic lifts, for example, requires flexibility, strength, proprioception, experience, and technique. Technique being the primary one. And without technique or to have technique, you need all those other things encompassed in that. You wouldn't dream of doing that because you look at it and you think, oh, well, they're using lots of weights. But even if they were doing it with no weights, it requires a good degree of skill to effectively do those exercises. And I just don't think that that is appropriate for someone with back pain that, as I said earlier, if you can't lie on the floor, wiggle one leg without getting a bit of trouble or finding it challenging, why are we doing a downward dog? Why are we doing some of the other ones? Now, there are numerous benefits from yoga, uh, not least from a mental point of view. Some people find it really, really cathartic, relaxing, great a meditation opportunity. And that is, you can't really get that from, from other things. And I completely understand that. But when we're talking about fixing the back, we want to give you guys the most accurate advice for your back as the primary concern. And therefore, that's why I, I, I sort of speak about that. We can maybe talk about it in a little bit more detail in the future, uh, but that's kind of where I'd go with with yoga. Um, yeah. Okay, awesome. Um, Alex is on YouTube. He has said, uh, I realized that I was doing the phase one core exercise because I was flattening the lordosis. I put a little towel in Good. the lordosis, redid it. What a big difference. Yeah. You know, th these things, um, they... Um, there's so many little ways in which you can just kind of mess up the exercise, uh, and it's not and it's not your fault because quite often there are um, and if it's Alex, who I think it is, yes. that you know a lot of people are very active and and have previous training or previous experience in some of these exercises, and just when we've got back pain and that extra bit of uh, complication, uh, it means that some of these nuanced things that we've been advised in the past aren't necessarily in our best interest. And it's just unlearning some of those that's really the important part. And that, as, as Riley mentioned, a smaller towel just to support the lordosis. You can also transfer that to the dead bugs and even the marching bridges um, to just help you mentally remind yourself of that natural lordosis that we should have in the lumbar spine. Okay, awesome. He also asked, do you have any alternatives for the hamstring stretch as the chair doesn't really stretch it for me? Um, definitely check out, yeah, we, we got, um, that's in, we, we posted that one in the Facebook group, uh, the Back in Shape uh, Premium Members Facebook group. And also that was one of the live streams, one of the very, maybe the first five to 10 live streams we did. There's about three different hamstring variations. Uh, I'll just quickly pop those on the board uh, just to show you very quickly. Very quickly. Uh, because the one I think you'll find a little bit easier is the lying down variation. And um, it's just worth noting, we, we order everything so it flows. When we're talking about the back in shape exercises, there is a reason that certain exercises run in certain orders. For example, uh, if you're talking about the phase one exercise, it starts with the hamstring because you're sat down. It then progresses onto the hip flexor stretch because you're kneeling. And then it finishes up with the glute stretch because you're lying down. So you could, rather than having you getting up and going down, you go boom, 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 and then you're on the floor to finish, and then you're on the towel. So all of these things that you need to be mindful of that. Um, if we're gonna do the hamstring stretch, the one variation is you've got your doorway here, okay? Uh, or corner or something like that. Your head's here, and then say there's the bottom of your spine. And then we've got the one leg goes up the wall and the other leg goes through the door. Um, check out the, the live stream video because we talk about this in that one in a lot more detail. Essentially, having this leg here protects the lower back lordosis because quite often when we put the leg up here, 
the, the back turns under and flattens. So we don't want that happening. That's a very bad idea. Um, so this is a way of stretching that hamstring. You'd have a slight bend in the knee here um, to start with. So you're feeling in the meat on the back of the thigh. Uh, that's quite important, but this is probably gonna be a good variation for you. Uh, Alex, and for many of you guys watching this, uh, it's, it's a really, really comfortable stretch. Uh, very, very easy to get into. Uh, check out that, that particular live stream, but uh, just be mindful when you get out of the stretch, just do it by basically slowly pushing yourself away from the door. Uh, away from the wall and then just slowly lower that leg just get out of it slowly uh, and one final note is that your leg is up here your feet will go numb that is entirely normal that's nothing to do with sciatica or nerves or anything like that that is going to be the circulation is cutting off to your foot don't worry uh, you're not staying there for hours on end uh, just sort of that couple of minutes and then stop <laughs> okay and then the circulation will return Alex said, perfect, thank you. Faye also said, thank you so much for answering my question. He's very active, that's good. He put my mind at ease, like she's gonna look into um, yeah, I, I just possibly would. having another re-X, sorry. Um, okay, I think we need to actually call it there because we need to head over to the clinic for patients. Okay. Um, I did have a couple more questions that I had come through on text, but I'll ask one tomorrow's live stream. Okay, awesome. Well, thank you very much for joining us on today's live stream, everybody. And thanks so much, uh, guys, for the questions. Hopefully you found the answers useful. If you're watching this after the fact, then please do post the comments in the comment section underneath. Um, just one little notice. Today is the last day for anyone. If you know anyone that wants to join the premium back in shape, please do share it with them today as the price is changing as of tomorrow. Uh, all of you guys that are on the premium, uh, your premium subscription stays exactly the same. It will do for life. Uh, we want to thank you guys for, for, for all of your support and hopefully uh, you guys will be excited with some of the new content that's going to be coming uh, over the coming months. So uh, just a little note for there. If you want to share the back in shape with anyone, uh, I'd, I'd suggest sharing it with them today. Uh, before things change. So with that being said, if you're new to the channel, please do consider subscribing. We go live every single uh, weekday. Uh, we do these with the Q&A as well uh, to answer your questions, much like we've done at the end today. Uh, obviously, if we get lots and lots of questions, we do need to get to the <laughs> clinic. So I'll stop talking now. Have a great day. We'll see you tomorrow with another live stream. <laughs>